great. Better now that I'm here. I know. Better now that I have my cozy robe yes. on. It looks it's, so good. It feels so comfortable. I'm for, glad. for anybody listening or watching, just mm-hmm. know that it feels like a cloud when you're yes. sitting in it. And it's actually really warm. Like I'm getting mm. nice and toasty. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So I like I tried to make it to where it was warm, but not you wouldn't overheat. Yes. You know? So yeah. like whenever you're at home in bed, it's yeah. like not going to And you're like not gonna sweat. Dead. Exactly. Yeah. Because I I'm a sweater. Yeah. 100%. I, I'm not, but <laughs> I get cold frequently. My hands are so cold right now. Oh my god! But your hands are cool too. Uh, I'm a, they are, but not like I don't yeah. feel it. You yeah. Know? But my boyfriend has sweaty hands. Oh, it's disgusting. Well, then hopefully like, this makes him. Reverse. You know, yeah, let's hope so. We get it. We get it canceled <laughs> out. But cheers to being here. This cheers, is so I'm exciting. So glad you're here. I know. So tell me, how are you? How has your week been? Well, it's a Monday, mm. so my week is just starting. About four hours yes, into um, it. Mm-hmm. Also, it's Halloween. Happy Halloween. Oh, my God. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Do you but, celebrate? No. Me neither. I don't really like it. I hate Halloween. I know. Me too. I actually really do. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm so happy about this because yeah. I feel super insecure about that sometimes because everyone our age that's like 24 mm-hmm. is like two years three years post-grad ready to just like go on a bender mm-hmm. and I have not had alcohol in like two and a half years oh my god wow and mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's mostly because I'm on medication but I also just mm-hmm. was like eh, yeah. I don't really feel like it anyway because what I wasn't I didn't want the I didn't want to do that during COVID yeah um but also, like, I just, I'm so over it. Like, I'd rather really be in a robe, dressed up as, like, a pajama girl yeah. for Halloween. Maybe go, I would rather do a festive brunch. Yes, me too. a festive dinner. I'm a staying in yes. type of girl. Um, yes. That's why the robes, it, as you can see on the packaging, it says cancel your plans. Because, <laughs> and, like, Halloween, whatever, like, I think people... To each their own, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, I just have never understood the hype of like spending so much money on a costume that you're going to wear one time, getting super fucked up. It's not really my vibe. So totally. um, I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. So the only reason why I did a Halloween shoot was because Playboy sent me costumes. Stop. That's iconic. Wait, did you not see it? Did I not? I can show you. I'll show you. Let's go to the gram. Let's do the gram thing. So here's like. My Jessica Rabbit vibe right here. Yes. She was. She That's was so good. Then I did an 80s oh, yes. girl. So they sent you all of that? They sent me all of these three options. And Love. so I said, we can't just do one. No. We must do all three. Exactly. So so you said, let me pull up. And then yeah. that's actually iconic because you got content, but you didn't have to go out. Exactly. Oof, Hacked iconic. the system. I did the shoot a week before Halloween. Yes. I posted Friday, Saturday. Sa- no. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, today, mm-hmm. and then I posted all three reels today, and then I'm going wow. to be back Three reels to- in a day? I just, like, don't even care yeah. anymore. I mean, I just, today like, Instagram was down today. Okay, it was down, but then it came back. I know, like, I saw God. the followers drop, and Me then they too. went right back, and I was like, this is weird. It was so scary. So weird. I, I At this point, like, I've I've been super interested in the concept of, like, our digital presence in Mm. terms of like how we use it as currency and so what you know as somebody with like a verified account or multiple it's Mm. sometimes easier for those accounts to bounce back because you usually 
have a point of contact. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have a point of contact and your account just gets suspended, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really terrifying. Like if that is a small business that gets wiped out and you have a thousand followers, let's say that's 10 full customers. If you, if you lose 30 people, 10 to 30 customers, that's like a pretty big deal. Um, and so for a, a, uh, account with like millions of followers, it might be like, oh, whatever, 30,000 mm-hmm. here, 30,000 there. Right. But also think of how long it took you to build that. For me, I'm yeah. at like almost 32K on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That took me like, I've been on Instagram since 2012. Literally. So, so like long. that's erasing like mm-hmm. all of those years of progress. And yes, maybe it's easier to grow now, but just it really is blowing my mind and I mean all of the news today is about the blue checks on Twitter. Yeah. And how the new owner <laughs> I don't know if we should name him or not. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't um, matter. Mm-hmm. Will be charging people about twenty dollars a month to keep their blue check. Literally. Which is like two hundred and fifty dollars a year about. Truly crazy behavior. That's like very crazy behavior. I yeah. agree. And also it's going to just like delegitimize like news sources. Like that's mm-hmm. why they have it. Or like a celebrity doing a drop. What if somebody has like the same username plus an N or. But yeah, like, but like he doesn't care about that. Right. He doesn't care. But like that's going to disrupt the entire Twitter ecosystem. Not that yeah. I care about Twitter that much. I literally have like a thousand followers Twitter. there and I just post for the shits of it. Same. But. To me, I'm like, this is really kind of frightening because now you don't know if now this news or now this, mm-hmm. maybe they're different. Exactly. Right? And, and But I mean, I think people will have to pay, though, mm-hmm. and they'll just keep doing that. I agree, and I think they will. But for somebody like myself, like, mm-hmm. why would I keep why yeah. would I keep that at that point? But also, it's like years of work, yeah. you know? It's just it's ridiculous. I think, like, we're entering a moment where social media will be – um questioned a lot more i think we're already seeing it with like the last year people have gotten really fed up with influencers or fed up with this or that Mm. and so i think we're going to enter a time where like there's just going to be everyone wants to take a step back from social media and i understand it like i like i love having a community and i love talking to people 100% but it is still super draining sometimes and for the average person who's like not a creator it's extremely draining because you're jumping on and seeing everybody's wins and all this stuff and it can make you feel bad about yourself so I feel like we're entering a moment where people are going to want to take a step back but with that switching to the opposite I would love to hear about how you did grow these followers how it has been for the last few years and like where why you started creating content yeah so my journey first of all I agree in some aspects of social media but I think the past two years have really taught us that like anyone can do anything at any point totally and what people are kind of like maximizing on is virality being the tool to let them do what they want to do in life Mm -hmm. and that's why I think and everybody's like kind of intoxicated by this idea it's seeing one influencer blow up and like oh my god now they're a radio host or now they're like on hosting like live talk shows or red carpets and it's like I want to do that right Mm -hmm. so how can I kind of exploit myself go viral and then do whatever I can to get brand sponsorships um because I don't know if people know this or not, but a lot of times you aren't getting paid for like making content. You're mostly just building your portfolio and your style Mm -hmm. and people are like living these lavish lives. And it's like, are you 
how are you able to do that? That's my mm-hmm. question all the time. But that's that's like a completely different rabbit hole. Oh my god, um, yeah, to go a down. deep one. <laughs> yeah, especially here in New York, it's like I mm-hmm. I I wonder this like almost at every single influencer event I go to. Like I am definitely like, and I talk about this very openly. Like just like surpassing kind of like this like entry level job area Mm -hmm. especially with like taxes um paying myself paying my team Mm -hmm. paying the percentage out and people overlook that in this industry they and that's why there's all these reports about like oh creators are so burnt out and i'm like obviously they're burnt out because nobody knows how to run a business exactly because this is you're doing so much as a creator and like, and then you have to pay. And like, what if, and like, I was thinking about this because a lot of creators that blew up in the last year, Mm -hmm. the ones who've stuck around hired PR teams, right? No one knows how much a fucking PR team costs. Two to five K a month, a month period. And it's like, that's insane. But like, if you needed that money to pay rent and you don't have a PR team, how are you supposed to stay relevant? Right. It's, it's, no one knows how to run a business. It's really hard. Basically let's go back to high school. Um, basically the whole journey of how I've gotten to where I am today really stems from honestly living life with a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was about 10 years old, I got my formal diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder that affects my joints, muscles, tendons, and just gives me debilitating chronic pain. I, at the time, did dance and uh, swimming, and I had to give that up because it was too physical. And so then I had to find a new passion. I ended up falling into art, loving art over the years, as I got more injuries, I couldn't like draw as much anymore or paint for long periods of time. So I fell into photography. Then I got to high school and my freshman year of college at FIT where I focused exclusively on like portrait and commercial photography. Mm-hmm. And then I went to USC. I transferred there and I decided I wanted to focus on more commercial style advertisement things. But then Given that LA is the mecca of the influencer world, I kind of fell into it. There was actually a social media club on campus Mm -hmm. started by a couple of big influencers um, who have since, like, you know, grown more, gotten verified. I'd say there's probably, like, a 25%, like, full-time creator uh, uh, turnout out of that club that Mm -hmm. people are, like, verified, like, making it um, as full-time creators, which is super cool. So I joined there started doing photography and then I stepped in at some point and was just like modeling then mm-hmm. with products and then simultaneously I was looking for more ways to do work and I think I only had like a thousand or two thousand followers at the time and I kept seeing these like field agent or brand ambassador roles but like OG ambassador roles, not brand ambassador, affiliate marketing, none of that. Mm -hmm. The real field marketing thing where they would send you maybe like 200 like coupon codes and you'd have to pull off some kind of guerrilla marketing thing on campus. So like one of them, uh, when I did it for Abercrombie was tying like $25 gift cards to people's bikes outside of classes because there was an Abercrombie on campus. USC is ridiculous. It's now a Lululemon. Stop. Yeah, that's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I did about 13 brand ambassador roles in college because it was like $15 an hour. Crazy. Like, kind of like a side internship. And I all, love that. And then I had to post in addition and it was like free product. So it really worked for me in college and built my academic uh, – or not academic. 
my social media brand experience. And then I was also interning at Warner Bros, Paramount, uh, Movers and Shakers, some other like photography places, really getting my feet wet on like the corporate side of things. Because before COVID, I was heading towards working in big social or entertainment um, on a creator marketing or social team. Like that's what I wanted to do. Um, That's what I was set on doing. And then I guess now we're in like December 2019, right before COVID's really starting. And I was like really, really physically ill from my chronic health issues. And so I decided to do a medically reduced course load. So I would do like half of my semester in the spring, half of it in the fall. Obviously COVID happens. I end up moving back to New York, like literally just leaving in the middle of March and never going back to LA. Are you from New York? Yeah, born and raised here. Oh, amazing. Um, so that was kind of like a big shift because I did want to stay in LA. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I was going to make that work, but I was going to make it work. Yeah. And when I was there, I mean, when I came back, I just started like, it was like so much negativity online, especially around like everyone's inside. We're looking at so much horrific stuff. I mean, I remember all of this started on, well, like the the year starts with the insurrection in 2020. That was such a year. Such a year. I can't even. The January even, of that yeah. year was a year. Yeah. And then crazy. after that, it was like all of the stuff, the COVID emerging mm-hmm. things were happening over in China. And then Kobe Bryant died. Oh, my God. And then the Australian wild, wildfires died, happened. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't make words. And then there were these compilation videos about like Gen Z's worried about our world. And it's like horrific thing after horrific thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to be at home with my mom and dad. So I ended up working out. Mm-hmm. Um, but as that was happening, I was like, influencers aren't posting about what's going on in the world. They're just posting about their stupid like yeah. pants or anything. And I was just like, this is like messed up. And so I started talking about social media literacy, mostly to brands and to universities and posting about it online and on LinkedIn, growing followings there, Uh, really at the core of like digital, like knowing your shit when it comes to digital media literacy and just reading a lot, researching a lot. And then in the fall of 2020, I was like, I'm going to try out being a creator part time, Mm -hmm. like like no internships, just grinding it out. And I ended up making about 25K um, in partnerships in like four months. So I was like, okay, this is a slay. If I could do this part-time in four months, I could probably double or quadruple this for a year. So in December, uh, that's when I got into grad school, also at USC. And I technically graduated my undergrad and told my parents I was starting an LLC. I was like, hey, guys, (laughs) not getting that full-time job I Mm -hmm. told you I would. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of been history since then. And I've just been growing. Yeah. And so what's your main focus of content lifestyle or like is Mm. or like sort of What do you think propelled you to where you are now? So the other part of my career that I did kind of leave out, uh, which again revolves around my chronic illness, is the fact that I had teachers and friends around me not believe how sick I really was because I didn't look sick. I got that. I have MS, so I feel you. Yeah, that's like major T. And it sucks. And a lot of people like will have all these different 
perceptions of you because you look a certain way. Even now when I introduce myself, I'm like, yeah, I advocate for people with, you know, different health issues, specifically chronic invisible health issues. They're like, you? No way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's really annoying That's to literally say. the reason why I do this. So yeah. That you can. Literally. Uh, I'm like, yeah, like, that's yeah. the whole point. Like, yeah. that's the, that's the annoying thing is like, now I have to like, kind mm-hmm. of like egg them on be like, yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah. And like, I wish people would just understand more. So I, these teachers didn't believe me and it was like four different times. Like, I can't make this up. Like, of course. it was awful. And I didn't have the words to like confront them. I used to be like, I would say I've come out of my shell a lot more and I'm like much more no BS. But at the same time, I went to USC, yeah. <laughs> like the University of, uh, what did they call it? Scandal, University of Scandal, so, um, something like that. Spoiled Children is the one I've well, heard. Well, yeah, that one like is for <laughs> sure a thing, but I, I just think it's like scandal after scandal with so them. Many. I remember, because um, we were in school at the same time yeah, probably. Yeah. The college admission scandal. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, I'm not trying to be out here, like, getting teachers fired over, like, ableism and denying my accommodations. But saying it out loud is like, I absolutely should have. Mm -hmm. I absolutely should have. But you know what's scary when you're fighting, like, a bureaucratic school system, especially one as large as USC, Mm -hmm. is like, a lot of private schools sometimes do pay that hush money. Yeah. I'm not saying that did, just did not happen, like, for the record. Like, of course, but, like, it's a possibility, so that's why you're scared. Exactly, and so that's why I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this somewhat amicably, and I'm just going to document my process living with this health issue, go to support groups, bring my camera with me to doctor's appointments, write about it, mm-hmm. produce a book by the end of the entire, um, like, thesis project, and... That's when I like launched that and I started talking about media literacy. I also was talking about my health issues kind Mm -hmm. of to heal too and to build a real audience that cared about health advocacy and mental health and chronic health. And so I literally was just like, you know what? I'm just going to like, I'm just, I'm just going to go for this. And then that's when like media started looking at it, like Fox news, like business insider, um, you name it that they covered it and so now I would say I consider myself like probably in like the health advocacy space or like health and wellness Mm. um and I consider myself more of a public speaker than an influencer okay I Uh, like that because I I mostly do public speaking Mm. um people like like how do you make your money like public speaking (laughs) so yeah I love that okay so that's where you're at now and we left out of super fun part SI swim my friend um Maddie Dewey who's also been on the podcast yeah. was also yes. one of them so how did that happen for you that was super fun and yeah we were in the same like group Yay! um so love that for us but I wanted to be like again like the face for people mm-hmm. to kind of like step up and be like look like you don't need to be like super toned and ripped and like have a gorgeous skinny body yeah. for like a big media outlet or a big platform like SI to recognize that sick is sexy sometimes yeah. and that's okay and that you don't need to like bend over backwards. I had an interview go out with the sun, the U S sun. And it was like, what, what did you do to get ready? And I was like, literally nothing. Yeah, like, that's the point. like I, I got a spray tan and I got a facial and like, I got my nails done. But mm-hmm. otherwise I was like, I'm not going on a crazy diet. Like I 
honestly, I'm really happy and confident with where I am. And I think something that people don't always realize with people with chronic health issues is sometimes you might want to work out and you literally physically can't. Um, like I, I've always wanted to be able to enjoy a workout, mm-hmm. but I've been scared of it because every time I've tried working out, I've hurt myself yeah. um, unintentionally. And that makes me sad. And then the cycle repeats. And so just kind of sharing that mission. um, And I had initially saw Katie Austin's um, like process going through it. And she went to USC. So um, and she like had won it the year before. And I was like, okay, if somebody from USC can do it, like, so can I like, why not? And so I planted the seed when that announcement happened, I think, in summer last year around this time. Um, And I was in Florida and I was like, "Okay, have this idea. And it's really funny because there was this guy that I went out on a date with and we were like talking. He's like, so what's next? I'm like, I will be in SI Swim next year. Yeah. And he was like, I was like. Ha, 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 and, then ha, you were. and then I was, I know. So it's really funny now. I always laugh about it, but, um, and things didn't work out with him. So it's fine. Of course they um, did Yeah, of course not. If you laughed, it's not the one. <laughs> yeah. And so then in December I went back and I shot some B-roll of me like on the beach and it was like almost like I had a calling because I was with my friend. It was the night before we were leaving. We were leaving at like a super like 7am flight. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I ultimately just left, like, in the middle of the day. We were just, like, at a cafe working. I was like, bye. Mm -hmm. I got to go film this. So I go and film it on the beach by myself with my tripod with my three outfits. I'm like, I have a system. I'm going to go in my T-shirt with my jeans over my bathing suit. And then I'm going to shoot in the bathing suit. And then I'm going to shoot in the dress Mm -hmm. over that. And then I'm just going to watch the sunset and go home and manifest on the beach. Yes. And so I did that. Then I wrote a script with my copy editor, um, highlighting like my journey, my purpose, all those things using a very simple hook, retain, repeat kind yeah. of formula, which is very popular in the storytelling world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I submitted it and I actually wrote a post about it on LinkedIn. And I'm like the first person to have ever applied to SI on LinkedIn. No way. Um, yeah. And they, they said, MJ told me, she was like, you changed the way that people are applying now. Now they Like, do. people are seeing that you did that and realizing not only that it's a good way to catch our eye, but you were the first person to actually legitimize what we're doing as a professional career moment. Ooh, and I was so like, cool. period. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, long story short, she saw it and reposted it almost immediately. Wow. After, like, I tagged her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was ultimately what she said had gotten me in, aside from my my mission, is, like, just the balls that I had to do that. To do it on LinkedIn. Um, and then my shoot while I was there, like, it was great. I actually got rained out twice. Stop. So I feel like I did have a little bit of a gypped experience. But uh. at the same time, you make do with what you have. Like, mm-hmm. I literally had less than, I think, five minutes. Like, I think it was, like, five shots. No way. And then, yeah, yeah. And then the rain came and ruined, like, the blowout that they did and everything, which Ugh. took a long time. But, like, I like my natural hair anyway, so it's fine. You're good, yeah. And then we waited until the sun was down or – sorry. We waited until the rain was down and the sun was setting by then. That's what I meant to say. Okay. <laughs> and um, 
then the, the other girl who was shooting with me, like she ended up going before me and she took a longer amount of time because she wasn't as used to modeling and stuff. So it mm. took longer. And then basically like, you know, that point when the sun's going down, there's clouds on the horizon. And so the sun like dips down faster than like when it's actually sunset. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, and basically like I had another five minutes to shoot. Like, I probably had 15 minutes of shooting time total. Wow. But um, you still got the great shots. So I love that. I agree. I know, like, I could have done so much more. That's mm-hmm. the thing. And I feel like I'll always have that. But I feel like I'm on this path where, like, eventually, if they ever did want to come back and are mm-hmm. like, yeah, we want to, like, work together again, like, it wouldn't be – I wouldn't say no. Yeah. Like, I would definitely jump on it because I think talking about chronic health issues, like – Everybody has a health issue they're dealing with, mm-hmm. whether they want to talk about it or not. Yeah. But if I can help inspire people to feel at the very least like more confident wearing a bikini, maybe with like mm-hmm. scars from a laparoscopy or um, with bruises or stretch marks or like maybe like not a toned tummy, then mm-hmm. like I'm so happy to be that person. Amazing. So yeah, that's yeah. why and how I did it. Amazing. So you've been... Talking and advocating for chronic health survivors for a very long time. But I'd like to know your journey with, I'll give you context. So I was diagnosed with MS when I was 15. So we were Uh, both pretty young. It's like very tough. But I feel like the way I responded to it was um, denial and just pretending it didn't exist. Okay, literally same. Yeah. And I was like, I I did, I think I overindulged in unhealthy activities Mm -hmm. to because I was like, I shouldn't have to give up my childhood for this disease. And I still have trouble like, um, taking care of myself now because I, I feel like acknowledging health is just so scary to me. So I'd love to hear your experience with that, especially being diagnosed at 10 which is, and having to give up the things you love. Mm-hmm. And how did you get to a place now where you're accepting and also taking care of yourself? Yeah, I I would agree with the sentiment first and foremost. And like, I am sorry that that's the way that we grew up thinking about ourselves because it's mean. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's really mean. Yeah. Um, and it's really sad too because also I think when we were growing up in like the mid, what, 2010s, yeah. we grew up in kind of like a very toxic era, same as like a lot of millennials and whatnot. But I think for us it was toxic in the sense that like tabloid media was in our faces more like because we were getting magazines to us and then also seeing it on social media. We had both. We had both. And a lot of generations before like didn't have Mm -hmm. both. Like Mm -hmm. they had one, um, which was the paper stuff. They don't really make anymore. And so how did I come to terms with it? Well, I did the denial thing for a while. I also think it's challenging because like with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome specifically, I'm not sure about MS, but for me – there's no specific medication that mm. cures it or yeah, that helps no it. cure, but there's nothing that helps it? No, there's things that help it. Mm. It's just a matter of what are the side effects that you want to put mm. your child through because we were minors. Yeah. So it wasn't our decision even. It was, it was our parents' decision. So there's a little bit of like this like resentment now as an adult where it's like, I wish I had this pain medication younger, but at the same time, it's like, you're a kid, you want to do as much as you can, and maybe taking medication would have prohibited you from doing something. So it's like, the parents made the best decision at the time that they could, mm-hmm. and that's that. We can not We can say we want to be angry about it or not, but what's that going to do? The past exactly. is literally in the past. Mm-hmm. I think also having to constantly pivot 
and be like, I really like art and I love drawing and painting and then getting a wrist injury and not being able to draw anymore or paint without it like excruciating pain even to this day. Mm -hmm. Like that sucks, right? Just trying to find something to make you happy and like it kept getting in the way. Yeah. And so that went on literally like up until college. And when I had this moment where this teacher like didn't believe me, I think that was the straw where I was like, oh shit, like this isn't going away and this is going to be something I'm always going to deal with. And I'm sure other people (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you and so many more deal with it. And so again, like if I could use my storytelling abilities and my platforms now to advocate and talk about it, that, that makes me really happy. I just, I want people to feel empowered by that. So Throughout my my college, when I I know I mentioned I got like really sick at one point, I just was having all of these issues, didn't know what was happening and going to see all these doctors not eating, like just like bad stuff that happens to a lot of us. And I like really would say that was like my peak burnout. Okay. Like I think it was a moment where at that point I'd been on some medications that were kind of giving me bad side effects. And that was when I hit a burnout. I went to two teachers like literally in full panic attack mode, hysterical sobbing, couldn't catch my breath. And I was like, "Mm, yeah, (laughs) I think I'm going to need to deal with this. Exactly. And the part of the reason was maybe a little bit emotional of me, but also like Granted, these teachers were telling me I couldn't make work about my chronic illness because I already had done it in two classes before. And the reason why I did it before was because the other teachers didn't believe me. So I was met yet again with people being like, you can't do what you want to do. And the subject matter was about my health and representation. And I was like, so you're telling me that you don't want me to make work about this because of some trope or because – Of what? Like, what is it? And so I think it was a combination of this, like, really, like, intimate and emotional experience that I had in school Mm -hmm. and with friends not believing me um, that I was sick. And also really getting this, like, uh, I don't want to call it closure, but almost awareness. And, like, I'm really aware that my health is actually something that is really going to be affecting me now and forever. Um, So that's rough. And then on top of that, it's like everything you do, whether that's dating, whether that's like influencer events, even like something like fashion week, wearing Mm -hmm. heels, um, you know, needing a a spot to sit down so you don't faint. I mean, there's so many little things that you think about that this affects me all day, every day. I have alarm set four times a day to take my medicine. Not only do I have alarm set, I have reminder set because my brain fog is so bad. So if my alarm goes off and I shut it off, then I set set a reminder. Yeah. And I, I have a weird little thing where it's oh, like I get me. worried um about like sitting down on the subway because I don't look sick mm-hmm. enough or I don't look like I have a disability of course and then like people ask me like how do you do so much with like a chronic illness and then they're like well if you do this much then you can't really have yeah these things totally and it's like I do this much like kind of because of this because you know? of it yeah. and also like I I said this recently, but like people living with chronic health issues and disabilities often don't like get or disclose their accommodations to their employers or to academic institutions because of that exact trope Mm -hmm. that paints people living with disabilities as 
unable to actually achieve what they really can, unable to do the exact same things as other people. It's just like, we might need more tools. For me, I literally can't write with pen and paper. Mm. Like I I could write with my left hand. It would look like shit. And I'm a righty. But I've been using a tablet and computer since I was in the seventh grade because of my injury. And for a teacher or somebody to say, no, you can't use that because it's going to make it easier for you than other people. It's like, honestly, this is something that's literally just leveling the playing field. And if that, if that, if Mm -hmm. that, exactly. And so that we need to like dismantle and talk about even more because Also, we don't talk about mental health issues and consider them like real Mm -hmm. um, disabilities I think that people might need accommodations for, right? And Or maybe like we're starting to talk about that more and I think that's something I really commend Gen Z and millennials on kind of like doing. But I don't – like if you're listening and you do struggle, just know that like having something that you're dealing with doesn't make you weak. Mm -hmm. Like you absolutely should ask for all the accommodations you need and be fearless with it because at the end of the day, if someone's denying you your literal like ADA accommodations, they're in the wrong. You're Mm -hmm. not doing anything wrong and that's something a lot of non-disabled people Mm -hmm. like to – twist and make it all about like oh well you didn't tell me about your disability it's like Mm. I didn't have to and if I did I'm risking a whole different you know right you're risking how you're going to be treated Mm. in the workplace in an academic environment in a social environment um you're risking not only the judgment of others but again like how they're going to treat you um and it's again it's not about getting the work done Mm -hmm. we're always going to get the work done like That's just plain and simple. It's just about what tools you need to get there. So I also will say on the note of like, how did I get to acceptance also kind of happened during the pandemic when I was talking about it more, writing about it more and really nurturing that like online community. And I know we use this word community a lot. And sometimes I do get like, I think it's like overused because I'm Mm -hmm. like, people are using it interchangeably with the concept of audience and audience and community are different. And just as like a, for example, I guess in my terms or Mm -hmm. creator economy terms, which I'm sure you already Mm -hmm. know, would be like audience is exclusively the people that are following you, what their demographics are, who are they, are they Gen Z, millennials, men, women, where are they from in the world? But the community are like the true people that are constantly showing up, commenting that you're interacting with that also maybe live with it or have a, a family member or a friend who lives with a chronic health issue and um, really I would say they have to be active participants in what you're doing and building and also hopefully supporting you by buying your merch or um, digital courses things like that that Mm -hmm. you're doing so those would be kind of like signifiers in my book but really looking to other creators doing that that same thing really gave me a sense of like wow I'm not the only like person dealing with this and I think realizing that we're not alone in our issue, no matter what it is, is like really important too. I think so too. And I think that's like, I've, I've struggled to talk mm-hmm. about MS for a while because I was again, like fighting that acceptance. But I think that it's helped so much just knowing that like one person can feel a little bit better about having it because I didn't have anyone to look up to. I don't know anyone else who has MS at this age, you know? Right. So to just see anyone who's, you know, fighting this successfully and what tools they're using Mm -hmm. is always like such a big moment for me. So for you, what 
are some of your like mental health or self-care practices that help you be able to like not only show up for yourself, but for your community? Mm. Yeah, I think knowing what tools other people use are, is very comforting. Mm-hmm. I all like I'm a big therapy advocate. I always have been. Um, I know it can be really hard sometimes with insurance, with finding the right match, uh, even being able to pay for it. And luckily right now, like I'm 24 living at home with my mom and dad and on my mom's health insurance. So like, I know like right now I, I feel really lucky and and blessed. I don't know what's going to happen in a couple of years once I go off of it, but that's another story. That's for Um, future you to worry about. Exactly. Three years from now, we'll see, we'll see what the discussion is, but therapy is, is great. And I love that. I also love things like calm and headspace for if I really just want to kind of like detach, like not having to do with like there's two buckets for me, actually. Let me reframe. One bucket is about like literally taking care of my mental health, addressing issues that I'm having problems with, um, really like going to somebody and seeking that help, mm-hmm. um, which is where I would ask therapists questions, talk through problems. Um, also having a good like support system, friends, not saying unload on them, but yeah. being like, do you have the space to like talk about something mm-hmm. work related or um, health related or like whatever it is and having friends that will listen. That's yeah. another big thing. The next thing is uh, the wellness and meditative things that kind of ground me and like help me remember that like in outside of the social media world, I'm like a person Yeah, because that's a whole thing we could talk about for hours, I'm sure. That's very challenging and mentally taxing, I think, that – I mean, we're we're not supposed to have more than a hundred people have eyes on us over our whole life. Literally. Without screens. And here we are with – millions and thousands of people so it's um it's we're almost too young to even like be able to process it right like I don't even know if I'll ever process like the amount of people we talk to on a daily basis it's so crazy I because of USC I try to think about it in terms of the stadium yeah and I'm like holy shit yeah like I have like five stadiums full and we're just like talking It's crazy. So to manage those things, I love breathwork. I have an amazing breathwork coach. His name's Avi Greenberg. You definitely, like, I'll send him your way. Um, And it's really about, like, learning this Wim Hof method. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you've heard of that. I've heard of him, yeah. And for me, it just really helps me, like, take 30 minutes to just, like, not do anything except breathe. Mm -hmm. And it's really cathartic because you're breathing about it and literally you're focusing on like the one thing that literally keeps you alive and also is like keeping you from death. Yeah. Like (laughs) what? It's crazy. Um, It is crazy when you think about it in that like uh, element, I guess. And then I love apps like Calm and Headspace. Um, Calm's like really good. I honestly love the Shawn Mendes one. Really? He's like – just breathe into it. No and I'm way. like, okay. And he's like telling stories. I yes. can only listen to the guy Simon <laughs> on Headspace. Oh, yeah. Like the super old dude. Yeah, he's yeah. The only I, one who calms me down. I also, well, it's not that it calms me down. It's just kind of meditative to listen to like somebody big and also dealing with, yeah. with issues. Because mm-hmm. like in a way, well, I actually was at a Verve Coffee on Melrose back a couple years and I saw him. Oh my God. He was there and I was like, 
Crazy Jane. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and then Jay Shetty is great. Um, oh, an I icon. I literally like love his podcast too. So good. One day I listened to it and I end up listening to eight episodes. He's so good. He's, he's literally so my, good. he's like my biggest inspo. Yeah. Oh. Literally same. He's iconic. Love him so much. Um, so yeah, that wellness podcast. I love mm-hmm. Mel Robbins. Like she's great. She's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are a couple of other like mental health accounts. I do a lot of work with like the Jed foundation. Mm-hmm. So I have my hands in like what's kind of new and what's emerging in terms of studies. Uh, my friend Lars has a nonprofit called half the story mm-hmm. and it's about like, who are you when you're off your screen? And I like that. it's, it's really great. Um, and I think, The reason why I'm so interested and fascinated with like taking care of your mental health is because it is intrinsically related to how your body's betraying you and your chronic health. And on top of that, as creators or even creator aside, even as a consumer, you're using social media to connect with people. So all three are related in my book. And so that's why I'm always focused on like, what can I do to ground myself? And once I'm grounded, how can I address my health problems? And once I address my health problems and I'm grounded, then I'll have the capacity to go back to my digital world and give them all I got when it comes to doing my job. Mm-hmm. And then in turn, I'm exhausted from my job, so I have to go back to get grounded and so yeah, on and so forth. It's a cycle. So I think really also thinking about like how one thing does affect the next can really help you in the long term, plan better and work better because it's not just like uh, work life balance. It's like you have to with your health, your health comes first. Yeah. For me, it was health, um, school, work, friends, mm-hmm. like leisure. Yeah. That like leisure was last. It should be health, like pro- and leisure. I mean, like skincare, exactly. staying in whatever. Health and leisure should go together. Then school, or you know, maybe then social after that. Yeah. I don't think work should be as high. And I'm not saying don't have a good work ethic. I'm just saying we should prioritize our health and well being, which in turn will help us perform better at work. I think so too. And I think um, I think sometimes people are a little shocked about my like productivity or how much Mm -hmm. I like put out or work or whatever and the truth is like every piece of work I do it I'm productive so I can be lazy and I do things efficiently sometimes more efficiently than other people might think is possible simply because rest relaxation are my number one right that is what's most important to me you know and like I think we are all like coming to this realization that like working super hard is really not it like we need to take some time for ourselves but people don't know how to do that you know I struggle with it struggle so much and it's scary and then you feel like you're missing out or whatever like yeah your illness is holding you back and it can be really like taxing on you mentally and in the world of social media specifically Back to the first thing I said about digital currency, it's like if you miss out on a day of posting, you're missing out on growth that could propel you further to get to the point where you want rest and leisure, right? In our mind, traditionally, society said more money equals more rest and leisure, when in reality, I think it's the opposite. Um, Whenever I've had time to ground myself or to maybe stay home instead of coming to the city um, because I live Mm. up in Riverdale. Long story short, like taking those days to not come in and to stay home or to sleep an extra hour really does ultimately help me 
answer more emails or organize my space better so that I can be more productive. They always say like, what is it? Clean room, clean mind or something something like that. that. And girl, my Mm. room all the time. Mm, It is not good. And ultimately with travel too, it's like you're not getting that rest. And when you travel, you're physically taxing your body. Like we're not meant to be flying all the time. Mm -hmm. And yet here I am, like I've been on like a lot of planes this year. I'll say that. Yeah. And so I think that's a good point. It's like rest and leisure is what creates space for Uh growth. Yeah. And that's an important point for people to recognize. So I love to ask people their rituals. So your morning or your evening routine or maybe a ritual you do when you're feeling overwhelmed. Like what are those sort of things that help you ground yourself? Okay. So here's the thing. I have problems with consistency. (laughs) Don't we all? Yeah. Um, And so mostly it's all of my uh, creator manager people on YouTube are like, Gigi, you need to post every day on shorts. You need (laughs) to commit to schedule them. I know, but Mm. it's just not the same as like creating 30, you know, like Mm. off the cusp. So I'm trying to get better. Mm. That's a different story. Um, In terms of like my skincare ritual, I mean, I always without fail, like take off my makeup. That's something I always like do. I don't fall asleep in my makeup. Sometimes I forget to put my retainers in at night. Same. (laughs) Yeah. But like, don't we all, like you said, Um, I do my best to do like take off my makeup, face, double face wash, um, like toner, moisturizer, like night serum vibe. Um, and the products that I use kind of change because I have really sensitive skin and depending on what happens with the weather or where I'm traveling to, my face is like, nope, not having it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also been having issues with my skin lately, which has been really interesting. I never had issues like this before. So Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I feel like I'm like living like, I don't know. Like, it's just, like, a new experience for me. Yeah. And it's kind of hard. And I've been going to dermatologists and this, like, people at the med spa. And, like, we're trying to, like, figure it out. So it's, like, a little bit of chaotic right now. But otherwise, it would have been a classic, like, nighttime routine. I'm trying to get better at doing it in the morning. Because apparently it's better to wash your face in the morning than, like, at night besides taking off your makeup. Interesting. Yeah. Um, And then exercises that I do to ground myself – I bring my journal mostly everywhere with me yeah. and something that I do, especially when I'm feeling like I'm not achieving enough or that I haven't done enough, I write down, like I literally will pull up my calendar and write down what I've done in that week or that month. Mm-hmm. So that way I'm like, no, like you literally did like, like, and when I say everything, I mean everything on my calendar. I'm like, you did these interviews, these podcasts, um, produced XYZ for brands, like did this many YouTube posts, this many Instagram posts, like this photo shoot, blah, blah. And once I have that, I'm like, oh, I don't feel so bad about it anymore. I like that a lot. I think like, um, I think everyone should take that exercise is something I've started doing at the end of every day, writing like either things I'm proud of myself for doing, because I often fall into that trap of I'm not doing enough. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. And then the other one is more like physical, which is breathing. It's like kind mm-hmm. of like the classic box breath where it's like um, four in, hold for eight. Or what is it? Uh, yeah. Four in, hold for eight, exhale for eight, hold for eight. Yeah. So then it's like this just like it's really good. Regulation. To, yeah. Like just especially before I'm going on a stage or something, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, we are good. I love that. We're good. And also just 
I know it's hard, but like, don't be so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. Like I fall into this trap of being so, so hard on myself. And I'm like, you're literally killing it. Like, just like, calm, calm down. Like there's so much time. And that's something with a chronic illness that I think is always at top of mind is like, how much time do I have to do the things that I love Mm -hmm. and to achieve as much as I want to. And that's Mm -hmm. also why I think people with chronic illnesses have this like insane work ethic. Um, and people with disabilities are just like, I need to complete as much as I can before I physically cannot. Yeah. And um, that's something yeah. I just like don't let myself think about, but I right. think it subconsciously drives yeah. a, a lot of what yeah. I do. And so, that comes, you have to accept. Exactly. It's like knowing your like medical life expectancy yeah. is, hard. is pretty, it's some bullshit, yeah, you know, exactly. but it's something that like really does drive. So with that being said, I like to ask everyone the same question at the end of every episode. I love it. So this is a little unconventional, but it's, Finish this sentence with something you want other people to know. You are too smart for... Thinking that you can only be a master of one thing. I think that you should always do as many things as you want and hone whatever craft you like and do it with all your passion and uh, just do as many things as you can because at the end of the day... It's all about what makes you happy, and if that's multiple things, that's okay. Exactly. I think everyone has multiple interests, and if you didn't, you wouldn't be human. So Yes. I love that. Exactly. So where can everyone find you if they want to keep up with you? How can they support? Yes. They can Google me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> do, um, you watch, do you watch Housewives? I uh, know. Okay. Cause that, Is that something that they would say? They said, oh, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me being quirky. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but my name, Gigi Robinson, you can Google that. All my mm-hmm. socials will come up. My Like all my social handles are the word it's like I-T-S mm-hmm. and then Gigi Robinson. So it's Gigi Robinson it. everywhere. Thank you so much for having me. Of this course. was so fun. I'm so glad. I feel like yeah. we can do this for hours. Oh, 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 oh,